Come on, a big welcome to the chapel in Richmond. We love you guys. Everybody in Chesterfield County Jail, Virginia Department of Corrections. Come on, Midlothian, like we've never welcomed them before. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Tell the person next to you, you look good today. Come on, tell them. Well, we're beginning a brand new series. I can't wait to tell you about that in just a second. But want to look in the camera at the back of the room if you're new here today. We're one church in a couple of different locations. and Well, we're worshiping live. There's worship live at the chapel in Richmond and Scott's Edition. Love you guys. Good morning, 930. And uh, of course, the men and women of Chesterfield County Jail, we're scheduling our baptism. So we're going to be in there with you all soon. We can't wait this month. And what God's doing there in Virginia Department of Corrections and Coffee Wood and all some really fun, amazing partnerships that we have. You're not a project to us. You're our people and we love you. And come on, the chapel in the lobby. Come on, give me a shout out, chapel in the lobby. Come on. And, um, let me just take one second and tell the lobby something, okay? If you're with me, lobby, wave a little so I know you hear me. Uh, we are like eight, we're, we're figuring out the exact date, but eight to nine weeks away from launching an additional Midlothian location. And one of the visions of that is to send some people <laughs> up out of here. You know what I mean? And uh, no, uh, to make space so that everybody can be in this auditorium until we build that new building. But um, somebody asked me, is that a permanent location? Our dream is to be forever in Mosley, Virginia. And uh, so we'll open an additional location that won't just be for a short time. It'll be forever. And uh, we had... Um, a real fun interest meeting. Almost, I think, 120 people are interested in that. Our dream is to send 200 people. That would be a part of launching something brand new at Mosley Elementary School this fall. And so if you're, you're west on uh, Hull Street or that way, we're going to bring all of who we are as a church there and make some space. But Lobby, just know that's coming this fall. We're going to make space. And so I, so, I just want to say I so appreciate your flexibility, your uh, patience. And, and, and uh, I can hardly believe people come to church and say, I'm still going to worship in the lobby. Come on, there's something about, and there's just something about being part of a church where God's on the move. And, uh, and so thank you for your patience, but we're working real hard and expanding. We'll be breaking ground. Already ordered steel. We put our deposit down for the steel and all that's being designed and manufactured. And so you'll be seeing progress real soon. But thank you for all the ways, those of you who are generous with Next. And, and I've been gone. I started a new tradition a few years ago when we had three or four services a weekend. Uh, our leadership team gave me a couple extra weeks every summer to just pray and study and sit alone uh, in, uh, in the woods and say, God, what do you want to talk to us? So I have all the sermon teaching series planned from now till Christmas. So I'm going to show restraint by not doing that today. You know what I mean? But I just want to say thank you. Don't we have the best team ever? We have an incredible team. I mean, momentum, attendance, giving, all that went up when I was gone. So I should leave more. And uh, But thank you to our incredible staff and team for what God's doing in the life of our church. It's so amazing, so overwhelming. And if you're new here today, we're starting a brand new series called Let It Rain. And it's just a picture of, um, in fact, I prayed, I prayed, God, let it rain a little bit on Sunday, but not too much to ruin our day. How many know if you were up early, God, I dialed that in pretty good, didn't I? And uh, so I wish it worked that way all the time, but, uh, but let's pray together. God, would you speak to us? Stand in my body, think with my mind what you would have for us to know, say, and do, that we might be more like Jesus, love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. 
We open your word now, God. Oh, how I love your law. Would it be light and life to us? For we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said together. Amen. Well, let me show you where this theme, uh, let it rain, comes from. He, God, will come down like what? Come on, like rain as showers that water the earth. And shower, O heavens, from above and let the clouds, look at this, rain down righteousness. What's the purpose of rain? To let the earth open that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. I love those words. And let the earth cause them both to sprout. God says, I, the Lord, have created it. Isaiah 6, I love, or Hosea 6, come and let us return to the Lord. He will revive to us. He will come to us as what? As rain. And then lastly, this is kind of a theme verse for the next week. It is time to seek the Lord till he comes and what? Come on, rains righteousness upon you. I don't think I hardly have to spend much time telling you that we live in a broken world right now. In fact, why don't we just have one big collective amen. Midlothian, Scott's edition, all of us together. How many know our world is broken beyond we? Come on, somebody, just say a big amen. And the answer, I think, as Christians is too easy. And I want to just point out something because we believe in the Bible and truth. And I'm not saying, of course we do. But it's easier to curse the darkness than to do what the Bible calls us to do. And that's pray for God to change our city and our nation, right? And so we want to be mobilized as a church over these next couple of weeks to say, God, in the middle of a broken community, in the middle of a broken world, in the middle of all the ways our country's veered away from your very best, God, you're going to find a group of people. Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen, God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. And so I want you to know the change in our nation, in our city, in our community, in our schools in our families starts with the 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 church house not the white house it starts with the families of god it starts with a people that call upon the name of the lord and that's what we're going to do in the next few weeks and i want us to but i've become convinced as i was thinking about this 21 days of prayer that we launched today and and a lot of us gather in the mornings at seven and saturdays at nine or online it's just a way to kind of dust off the summer slump and refocus on what god has but i'm convinced the longer i pastor that it's not that people don't know that they're supposed to pray And it's not that people don't want to pray. I'm convinced that one of the reasons people don't pray is they actually don't know how to pray. Like when you, let's just be honest, when you get to praying, it can feel like hard work. Like you're five minutes in and you're like, it's only been five minutes. I don't know what else to pray for, you know. And so I'm convinced there's a lot of inspiration out there. You better pray, and there's a lot of a lot of teaching you need to pray, but there isn't a lot of explanation on how to pray. That's why we have these little prayer guides at every campus at the next step table. It's just a, it's like prayer um, examples, prayer exercises. It's a way to help you pray through some things to teach you how to pray. Because let's face it, we've been taught some pretty weird ways to pray growing up. Come on, what do we tell our kids before bedtime? Come on, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Good night, Johnny. I mean, I mean, all the weird. I grew up in a church where the youth group would hold hands and that already made me feel uncomfortable. But then we were in a circle and each person had to pray. Anybody ever been in that situation? And you knew your turn was coming. 
You're not thinking about one thing everybody else is praying about. You're thinking, I want to really just ham. I want to. What am I going to pray? And somebody before you, you know, the, the, the KJV prayer person, yes, they, yea, though I walk. And you're like, ooh, I'm, this is not going to go good for me. And, and somebody prayed what you were going to pray ahead of you. And in fact, in my youth group, when you were done praying, you squeezed the next person's hand. You got, and, and so when it got to me, everybody had prayed everything I thought. So I just squeaked, boom, I just bumped it to the next guy. I got nothing, you know, I'm just saying. KJV over there took everything. He prayed from Dan to Beersheba. I mean, everything. And I got nothing. And, uh, and so I think, I think one, one of the things we try to do is talk to us about how to pray. So today's message is going to be a little different, but I want it to be real practical. I'm going to try to teach us a prayer pattern. I think it's an incredible prayer pattern. And it comes from the nation of Israel when they were um, delivered. In fact, even if you didn't grow up in the Bible, you know Moses, and prince of Egypt. God takes his people out of 400 years of Egyptian slavery. And before they enter into their permanent land, they're 40 years in the wilderness. And so before they build their permanent temple in Jerusalem, they have a portable tabernacle that they worship in. And it's a set up and tear down thing, which is how we're going to be in Mosley Elementary, setting up chairs and tearing it down, setting up a set. In fact, God describes how it will be. Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. Do you know God has always wanted to live among his people? <laughs> I thought that was better news than you do. <laughs> Do you know that God has always wanted to live among his people? You know, this is incredible. He says, so he says, hey, build this sanctuary, this tabernacle, and put all of its furnishings there. I'll give you the pattern so that you can communicate with me. And so God gives all these patterns. And in fact, the, the message I'm going to share is exactly in our little prayer book, if you have that. But I just want to teach us. I want to give us an example. I want to prepare us so that we're thinking, Pastor, if I want to pray a little better, I know my prayer life isn't where it needs to be. And I know that's important. I want to learn to talk to God. How do I do that? And I want to help us with that today because the Bible says when Moses prayed, look at it, it's incredible. Inside the tent of meeting, Moses, God would speak to Moses. Look at this. How? Face to face. How many know that's a pretty strong relationship with God? How'd you talk to God? Face to face. As one speaks to his friend. Moses wasn't praying to a God that was distant. He was praying to a God who had come near his people. And if you're new to the chapel, you need to know this. We believe God is holy and mighty and strong and high and transcendent. But we also believe he has come through his son, Jesus Christ, to get close to a group of people and have a personal relationship, even a friendship with people. And that's how Moses' communication was with God, one with one, a friend. In fact, so I want to show you that these, um, these seven or these six uh, furnishings in the tabernacle that will show us seven ways that we can pray to God. So kind of give us an example. And the tabernacle kind of, it, it had this picture where it had the holy place on the inside, but it had these instruments on the outside, these furnishings, these um these, uh, uh, what do you call them, furniture pieces that were designed to teach us something, the people, how to pray to God and how to interact with God and teach us the first thing. And the first thing is the outer court, which before you got into the Holy of Holies, the holy place, the outer court was a place in the Old Testament. Just write this down, the outer court. Here's how you'd start talking to God. You'd just give thanks to God. <laughs> so here's the picture. When we get to God, we don't immediately ask him to help us with our stuff. We start by giving thanks to God for what he's always already done. I'm just curious this weekend. Am I in a room of people that has a reason to be thankful? 
like a reason to be grateful. I, I know we don't have a perfect world, perfect, but I mean, you look at the world, you look, I mean, look at the country. We, we're, really, we're worshiping in freedom today. We, don't, we may not have a perfect country, but how many know we have an amazing country, right? I mean, we have air conditioning. Come on, somebody. The other night, motion night, it was so special. Friday night, a motion night with student conference. Our air conditioning went out. Come on, somebody. It was 84 degrees in here. And I said, the fire of God is burning. You know what I mean? I was just reminded, we, we got air conditioning. Come on, somebody. We got Cracker Barrel. We got, we got the Bible in our written language. We have automobiles. We have medical care. Come on. We have the Alabama Crimson Tide football team starting this fall. We have everything we need. And I'm just saying, before when we enter into God's presence, I'm literally thinking this. God, because of what you've already given me through Jesus, if you never did one more thing for me, I have a reason to start very beginning with praise to God. In fact, here's how the psalmist says, enter his gates. Come on, somebody help me with what? With thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Hey, before we get out the laundry list of all the things we need God to do for us, what if we just got into his presence and praised him for what he's already done? In fact, this is why we start with a countdown video and two, one or two songs that are upbeat and praiseworthy because we're saying even before we get into worship, we've come to praise We've come to give gratitude. Gratitude says everything I have, everything God's done for me is enough. If he never did one more thing for me, I'd praise him. In fact, I was with a pastor uh, at a conference last week who said, he said, I've started not even worshiping as much like this anymore. He said, I've started worshiping like this. I said, said, that's weird. What do you mean? He said, well, like this is kind of receiving, but I realize I don't even need to, God, if you never did anything more to me, I've just come to just pour worship and praise on you, right? Enter his gates with thanksgiving. So when we enter into prayer, there's something about just listing the reasons you have. This will also cheer up your mood. Come on. How many know when you're grateful and thankful, it changes your mood, right? God, you've been faithful. I'm going to list you some of the ways that I'm thankful. I'm going to give you praise for some of the reasons you've been good to me. And I'm going to praise your name. And the next item they would come to is, is literally this brazen altar. And it's where animals were sacrificed. You ever read the Old Testament and seen how bloody it is? I mean, they, they sacrificed bulls and goats and lambs and pigeons and As the worshipers would come into the tabernacle, they'd first give thanks. But the very next thing they would see is the sacrifice of animals on the altar. And it was a reminder to them that they could only get into the presence of God through the shedding of blood. In fact, the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And something else had to die to give them access to God. Here's what this teaches us in our prayer, that when we enter into God, we start with thanksgiving, but we quickly go to the cross where we thank God that all of our sins have been forgiven in Jesus Christ. Hey, catch this. We don't get to pray to God because we're so awesome. We get to pray to God because he's so gracious. (laughs) And the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. I know, I know you say, Pastor, you're supposed to go away a couple of weeks and come up with a new, new message. Well, I don't really have one. I just have one of a bloody cross that took my sin, my debt, my mistakes, my brokenness, my heartache, my shame, and took it all away. In fact, the psalmist said, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to praise the Lord, oh, my soul. And I'm not going to forget all his benefits because the number one benefit I'm thankful for is a God who what? Forgives all your what? 
sins. So the gospel isn't something we start with and then move on from. The gospel is something we rejoice in and live in. Great news today. Our sins can be forgiven. And it doesn't even have to be our blood. Hebrews says, thanks be to God who once for all, Jesus Christ, shed his blood. And then the Bible says in Hebrews, he sat down at the right hand of God, meaning there is no more a need for sacrifice. Aren't you glad in the lobby, Scott's edition, you don't walk in and somebody says, well, welcome. What do you want to kill before you can come into church? We got to kill something because you can't worship without killing something. Now, some of you who are total hunters are like, that sounds awesome to me. But the picture is of a, of a God who gave his life. That God so loved the world. That he loved this world so much that he gave his only son. That if we believe in him we don't have to perish. But we can have eternal life. That God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners. Christ died for us. It's a picture of forgiven people. And the reason we start with thanksgiving. But then we're going to be able to boldly move towards God. Is because somebody gave their life for us. And his name is Jesus. And we focus on the cross. God, on the cross, you forgave me. But Paul says, Galatians 6.14, may I never boast except in this, in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean that we have been forgiven. Anybody glad you've been forgiven, right? So after you give praise and after you realize you're forgiven, the next thing you do, you come to this instrument of worship called a laver and it'd be made of bronze. And it was sort of, in the ancient world, it was the mirror of the ancient world. And so you'd come with thanksgiving and then the cross and then you'd look face to face in the reflection of yourself and here was the picture in the old testament it's a picture in prayer for us to realize we look at ourselves and we realize we have things that need to change now i know you say pastor this is end of the summer this is vacation week we are the holy righteous people but how many know you have something that needs to change come on just turn to the person next to you and tell them you need to change some stuff. Come on, tell them that. Now turn to the person who told you that and tell them, mind your own business. Come on, tell them that. Say, I don't need that. I don't need you in my business. Here's what prayer is. It's a picture of saying, God, you can change anything. In fact, I was thinking of one of the things I'm praying over 21 days is that I would use my mouth because that's primarily what I do as a pastor. And my words would be holy to God. So one of my verses that I'm praying for my life in 21 days of prayer is do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. How many know asking yourself, is this helpful, is hard? You say, it's not helpful, but I really want to say it. Some of you need this verse too. If you, do, if you want to know if you need this verse, see me in the lobby after. I'll let you know. Only what builds people's up according to their needs and it benefits those who live here's what here's what we do with when we come to god in prayer we say god let everything that comes out of my mouth please you nothing that tears people down but only what builds up only what points to you let nothing that i listen to god be something that shouldn't be entering into my in my thing and let nothing my eyes set my eyes on be anything other than what you don't let my feet take me anywhere but where you lead me let my hands that reach out to serve god let everything i do it's it's romans 12 we, we literally in view of god's mercy we offer our bodies as what come on living Sacrifices. Somebody said the problem with a living sacrifice is it always climbs off the altar, right? So you have to keep getting up on it, you know. And that's what prayer is. It's just simply saying, God, is there something you want to change in me? Is there something, is there something, oh God, search me 
Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's an offensive way in me and lead me in the way. Here's what we're saying in 21 days of prayer. God, you have total control to change the things in my life that need to change. And if you're here this weekend and you say, Pastor, there's really nothing in my life I need to change. Well, First John says, let him who thinks they have no sin know that they're a liar. <laughs> so I just helped you out. You need to be forgiven for lying. How many have something to change? Come on, prayer is saying, God, what do you want to change in me? I'm not just going to curse the world. I'm not just going to curse the darkness. I'm not just going to ask you to change my spouse. I mean, God, Katie has so much you need to do in her life. But before I go there, God, I'm, I, I need some things changed in me. I need to not just point prayer to other people, but I need to receive prayer. It's this picture as we come to the cross and then we come to ourselves to say, God, I'm surrendering all of who I am to you. And I love what they bump in right after that. They see their reflection. They come and they see this candlestick and it's got the, these, the lights on it, the literal flames on the top of it. And the candlestick is a picture of the presence of God. We call this the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of these, these candles that would burn all day and night, and it's a picture of God's spirit on the inside of us. Now, you need to know this if you're new to the chapel. You're in a church that believes that God is one God, but he is eternally existing in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so we believe God the Father. Come on, everybody say yeah. We believe in God the Son. Come on, how many know Jesus is a big deal? Pretty strong. But some churches leave out this next one, God the Holy Spirit. How many know we believe in God the Holy Spirit, right? You can read it on your own. John 16, Jesus said when he left to his earliest followers, he said, I'm going to send you another comforter that he may be with you. In the same way I am with you, the Holy Spirit, another. And the Greek word is just like me, meaning the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit is as much God as the Father and the Son? And he's come to be on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence on the inside of us. So I'm just letting you know, you're here today and I'm like, and you're like, I'm not really the Holy Spirit guy. Well, the Holy Spirit is Jesus on the inside of you. So if you're not the Holy Spirit guy, you need to get to be in the Holy Spirit guy. Because how many know the Holy Spirit simply says, I'm not good enough to do what God's called me to in fact, Paul lists what a spirit-filled life looks like, the fruit of the spirit. He says, here's what it looks like when the Holy Spirit's alive in us. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and efficiency. No, self-control, right? It's my least favorite. And uh, here's the point. The Holy Spirit has come to live out the life of God in us. In fact, Paul tells Timothy, this is my dream for you. That's why I'm telling you, I want to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gives. That's our hope that the embers of our soul, maybe the fire of God goes down in our life. And we just, we just, as the wind of God's presence would cause the fire of God to be alive. It's just the power of the Holy Spirit, which is just God's present enablement. For us to live out these things called faith. In fact, I was just reading two days ago in the book of Acts. And it literally calls uh, the book of Acts, which is Luke's second gospel. It says this is the next message of the things Jesus began to do and teach. And it's interesting to me because you would think it's the things the disciples did. Because Jesus is leaving. But here's what he's saying. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is still at work as much through his people as he was in his own lifetime. How many know God is still at work in our world, right? 
And it's through us as agents of the Holy Spirit. Let me show you this next thing. Those of you who love carbohydrates, you're going to love this one, okay? This is called the table of showbread. Come on, somebody, right? In fact, I did one of my study weeks in upstate New York, and there's this bakery in Syracuse, New York, called Columbus Bakery, okay? It is, it is, it is an Italian bakery. I don't even need to buy anything. I just want to start a small group in there, I'm saying. How many know there's nothing like the smell of bread? I want you to think about it. Actually, they come in. I mean, think about it. They got the meat cooking and the bread cooking. I mean, this is a pretty good place, you know. In the tabernacle, there were 12 fresh loaves of bread made every day. This showbread, this table of showbread was a picture of God's word, which is used not only to nourish us, but as a weapon against the world around us. How many know God has written his word down for us, right? And this what the, that's what the bread was a picture of, his word. In fact, Jesus answered so clearly. It's written, man shall not live on what? Bread alone. What, well, what do we live on? If it's not bread, Jesus, what do we live on? But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here's what he's saying. The nourishing and the strength and the power of our life comes from the word of God. All scripture is God-breathed. If you're new here at the chapel, this is probably important because not everybody wants this kind of church. We're a church that believes the Bible. Like we stand on God's word. We're not trying to come up with new ideas. We're just trying to take the same truth and drive it to our hearts. One theologian said the Bible is the only book that when you read it, it reads you. Like it is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Ezekiel says in Ezekiel 3, I ate your word and it was like honey to my, to my taste. It was sweet to my taste. The, the psalmist said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The psalmist said, how can a young man keep his way pure? But by living according to what? God's word. First Peter 2 says, says like newborn babies would crave the pure spiritual milk of the word. We are stead, we stand upon the word of the living God. Some Baptists in this room, give me an amen. Okay. Yeah, good. We stand on the word of God like this. And that, that was a reminder of them on the way in and out. Hey, your sustenance, your strength, your, your energy isn't just coming from, from physical bread. It's coming from God's word spoken over you. In fact, I'm telling you, um, I'm working on something and I was hoping to get it done this summer and I didn't, but I'm 65 pages through a little mini book. I've never written any book. I'm writing one now. I don't know if it's going good or bad, but uh, literally, I don't know what to call it. It's just literally what's in the Bible. And it got, I just got this burden that in the next year, we're going to have a whole hub of small groups that literally teaches every person to give us a year of their life to know what's in the Bible. <laughs> Because I'm convinced that we live in a world where people don't know the Bible as much. I grew up in Sunday school, y'all. Any Sunday school people here, you got a star in my church. If you made it to church and you brought your Bible, you got another star. I had the whole, I had all the stars, you know. Although my mom watches this. This is horrible. Let me tell you what my parents did. Grace Assembly of God, Syracuse, New York. They, we had Sunday school and then church. Those of you under 20, you say, Sunday school, what does that mean? School on Sunday. It's pretty much it. It's a class on Sunday. You went to church before you went to church. That's how we did it. And then we used to come to church at night. And then again on Wednesday, you just did a whole lot. Anybody ever been a whole lot of church? Okay, so. But my parents would drop my sister and I off at Sunday school. And there was a, a, a Maurice Mill donut shop across the street. 
that my parents would then go get donuts. Mom, that was a horrible, evil thing to do, you know? But so, whatever, that's a long way to say we are built on God's word, amen? Okay, sorry. Uh, it's nothing to do with anything, really. I'm just bitter. And we have freedom gr- By the way, we have freedom groups to heal us of our hurts and habits, hang-ups of the past. All right, I got two more. All right, turn to person neighbor, turn to person next to you and tell them, wake up. Come on, I want to give you these next two. And then we'll, uh, here's the sixth one here. Come on, this is the altar of incense, okay? So this is the original um, essential oils of the Bible, okay? Day and night, this incense would rise from this altar, and it was a picture. In fact, I, could, I didn't write them on the screen, but there are so many passages that talk about our worship rising to God as a sweet fragrance or a smell that was wonderful in his, in his God's able to feel our worship as though incense is rising to him. And so we've started with Thanksgiving. We focused on the cross. We've looked at what we need to change. We've gotten full of the Holy Spirit. We feasted on God's word. And now here's the next thing. They walk up to the altar of incense and here's what it's a picture of. It's just a picture of worship. It's a picture of worship. In fact, I want to just let you know one of the things we've been doing behind the scenes as a team as we've been looking at all the songs we sing. And we've been asking ourselves more and more, is that song about us? Or is that song about God? And we've started to say as a team, even if it's a really cool song, we're going to sing a little less about us. Because there's something about the power of God that comes when I realize worship is not just about me. Come on, somebody. It's about him. I mean, I hope I get my needs met. I hope the teachings from God are. But if we're not careful, we live in a world that is all about us. I did not realize it till a year ago we switched from cable TV to Hulu. And I had not watched commercials for 10 years. And all of a sudden we get Hulu. And if you watch a pre-recorded show or one that is on demand. You have to watch these commercials. And I never understood why commercials are played because I don't buy anything. I don't care. I live like, I don't care about anything. All of a sudden I started watching these commercials and I thought, man, I need that. (laughs) You remember the slippers? How many remember the slippers I talked about last year? I was like, I got to have these slippers. I got like two pair now. Thank you, Vernon. I mean like the slippers and like, no, I need this pillow. This pillow will triple my lifespan, you know? (laughs) This multivitamin, you don't have to do anything. You just take this multivitamin and you look like that guy. Get me that multivitamin. And all of a sudden I just realized every, you see, because every um, advertisement is saying, if you just get this and it's built upon our need to be about us. And so if we're not careful, we start catch this coming to church saying, do they meet my needs? Do they meet my needs? I just want to tell you one of the things we're trying to do as a church is say, we still hope we meet your needs. But what if church isn't supposed to be about us? What if there's a few minutes a week that we gather together and we look away from us? In fact, what if looking at us is part of our problem? What if looking to him is part of the answer? (laughs) 
And when they would enter into the tabernacle, they would see that incense burning and it'd be a picture of worshiping his name. I love what Proverbs says. It says the name of the Lord. Come on, somebody say it with me. Is a what? Is a, come on, say it again. It's a what? It's a strong tower. The righteous do what? They run into it and are safe. So here's what worship someone's name is. It's worshiping their character. It's worshiping who they are. It's worshiping the way they, what if I love this about our church? That we And it's unapologetically one of our values. We are trying to not gather and watch a band sing. We're trying to gather and worship his name. We're a participatory church. And I could get into this. People say, I don't want to clap my hand. I can turn to all the Bible verses, Psalms. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God. Shout, 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 shout unto God. Lift your hand. I, I can do all those. I'm not here to, here, here's all I'm saying. One of the values of our church is to create an atmosphere where hopefully it's not, was the sermon good enough? Was the band on point? C.S. Lewis said the greatest worship service that would ever be would be the one that we were unaware of, even the team that was on the stage because we were so caught up in the presence of God. And worshiping someone's name is their character and their power. And their wonder, that's one of our values as a church, to create a church that worships God. Anybody have a reason to be thankful today? Yeah. In fact, just while you're seated, wherever you're seated, just hold your hand just like this all over this room. We worship your name today, oh God. God, we worship your, just tell them that. We worship your name today, oh God. Yeah, I got some needs in my life today, God. I'll bring those to you in a second. But I have come to this house today. <laughs> to declare there is no one like you. Oh, that you would save me and deliver me and set your hand upon me. Oh, we worship your name. Come on, just out loud, say that to him. God, I worship you. Oh, we love you, God. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful name. You know these little words? What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares. Nothing compares to this. Nothing compares. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a wonderful name. What a wonderful name. What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name. What a wonderful name it is. Today, God, what a powerful name! What, what a, a powerful, powerful name it is! Oh, your name has power. What a powerful name it is! The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is! Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is!
let me share just one more verse and then we're done. Uh, the last thing they would go to in the tabernacle was the, the Indiana Jones Ark of the Covenant. And this is a picture we've worshiped, given our life to God. We've been filled with his spirit. We feasted on his word. It's a picture. It's, it's, hey, I still got some problems. It's a picture of God. I'm going to intercede for my, I'm going to bring my problems and other people's problems to you. How many know as long as we live in a broken world, we'll have reasons to intercede? So here's what intercede means it means to stand in between God and the problem and to beg God to do something about the problem. I could turn to so many verses, but the Bible says, I first urge then, first of all, the petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, all those in authority, that we may live a quiet, peaceful lives and all godliness. He's teaching us to be people who intercede for those around us. Just look at me. I had this sense last week that in this three weeks of prayer we were going to hear stories of problems brought to God and God doing something about those problems or just simply this God not only hears prayers but he answers prayers and what would it be like for us to say God I'm going to intercede on behalf of our nation I'm going to intercede on behalf of my community I'm going to trust you. James puts it this way. Here's the last verse and then we're done. Draw near to God and he will what? Draw near to you. Come on, let's say that out loud together. Draw near to God and he will draw near. Growing up, my dad, we had this, when I was 14 years old, my dad put an alarm system in our house. And I remember he, we had this little TV room in the basement and he would set the alarm and if you moved and set off the motion sensor while he was setting it, it wouldn't let him set the alarm. So this is one of my favorite ways to love on my dad as a kid. There's a four-digit code, beep, beep, beep. As soon as I would hear him hit the third code, I would move and light up the sensor. So when he, beep, he'd say, hey, Brandon. As I was downstairs, yeah. Hey, don't move while I'm setting the alarm. Oh, sorry, dad. Beep, beep, beep. Hey, hey, Brandon, do you hear me? What? When you move like that, it sets the sensor off. I'm trying to set the alarm. So if you just not move, okay, I'm sorry, Dad. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Finally, he would literally say, you know, the police will come if I set this off. And you're about to need them in a minute. You know what I mean? <laughs> but here's what I knew. When I moved, the light moved. And I'm telling you, James says there's something about God. God's emotion-sensitive God. He's already come near to us in Jesus Christ. The question isn't, will he come near to us? He already has. He's taken the first step by sending his own son. But now he's literally asking as we move into 21 days of prayer, is there a people in Richmond, Virginia, that want to move towards me? Because if you move towards me, I'll move towards you. So if you draw near to God, he's going to draw near to you. And that's our prayer in this season that we would draw near to God. So here's how I want to close. I'm going to be done in three minutes. And I hesitated doing this, but I, I, want to, I want us to feel the heart of this. I want us to practice over the next two or three minutes how we would pray through those seven steps like we're moving through the tabernacle. 
And I'm gonna kind of lead us in that process. And we're gonna get a feel and we're gonna kick off 21 days of prayer just by inviting the presence and power of God in our lives. So we're not gonna leave here. We got three more minutes. Don't walk out or I'm gonna send the Ark of the Covenant on you. Okay, here we go. Come on, let's stand together all over this room and, and we'll close with what a beautiful name in a second. But if you're comfortable, just hold your hand out like this. So God, we enter your gates with thanksgiving today. We praise your name, oh God. I'm in a house full of people in Midlothian and the Chesterfield County Jail and the lobby and in Scott's Edition. I'm in a group of people that is thankful to you for your faithfulness. Come on, just say thank the Lord. Come on, say it out loud. Give a, give a reason. God, we're grateful for our families. We're grateful for salvation. We're grateful for freedom. Oh God, we're grateful for your presence that we sense right in this room. We enter your gates with thanksgiving today. We enter your courts with praise. And Jesus, we're so thankful for the cross. We come to your cross that you would die to take our sin upon yourself and we can be forgiven today. And so we are grateful for forgiveness. Though our sins were as scarlet, they're white as snow today, God, and we rejoice in that. God, we look right in ourselves. If there are some things you need to change in us in these two weeks, three weeks, God, change us. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me. You have the right and the prerogative to change some things in our life, oh God. Jesus, we come to that candlestick. Oh, how we need your Holy Spirit, your presence, your power, oh God. We need it in our lives, need it in our hearts. So come and God, God the areas of our life that have grown dim, would you breathe on that? God, let's fan into flame the gift of God. We pray your word would be rich in our minds and our hearts, that it would come out of our mouth, that we'd stand on your truth. We'd live on the word of God. And we believe that today, God. And we worship you this morning, oh God. Even if you didn't do one more thing for us, what you've already done for us. Oh, come on, chapel. Just say, I worship you, God. I love you, God. I praise your name, oh God. You're faithful. You're true. You're strong. You're steady. Your name is a strong tower. The Lord, our righteousness. The Lord, our peace. The Lord, our deliverer. The Lord, our healer. The Lord, our comforter. The Lord who goes before us in battle. The Lord who's strong and mighty. Your arm is not too short, nor is your hand too weak, but you are mighty, God. Mighty in battle. Mighty in our situations. Mighty in our city, oh God. So we look to you, oh God. Our hope is in you. And lastly, come on, let's intercede for our needs. God, you know the needs we brought into this room. Some of us are sick and we need your healing power. Jesus, you went everywhere healing diseases, so be a healer. God, some of our kids need your touch. God, restore prodigals coming back to faith in you. God, loving and trusting and treasuring you, Jesus. Oh, our country needs you, God. Would you send a work of your spirit in our nation, oh God, and in our city? God, would you change our community? We call upon you. You said you would reign upon us righteousness, oh God. And we pray ultimately over our church. God, this is your church. Come on, just tell him that. God, this is your church. Set your hand upon us. We declare your power and your grace and your favor on us.
declare you have no rival. You have no rival. No one like you, God. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Oh, come on. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Love you, God. Praise you, God. Well, I would love to pray a blessing over you as you go to that. I just want to give you a little feel of what it's like to open that book and kind of pray, pray with a little structure, a little pray the patterns of scripture that God taught us so that we don't have kind of a dry, dusty, but a life-filled, uh, enjoyable relationship with God. Moses, face to face. And I love you. I love what God's doing in our church. I love you. I thought of you every day over the last couple of weeks. And believing in the days to come, the things that are deepest on your heart, when you give them to God, he's going to work out some solutions that you never even dreamed possible. Ephesians 3.20 says he can do exceedingly, abundantly above all we could ask or think. All right, I need to shut it down. I haven't preached for a while. Hold your hands out like this. I pray, chapel, as you go, that God will go with you. I pray his grace and his strength would be upon you. I pray the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, fellowship of the Holy Spirit would be with you all. Would you go with God's strength? And in his name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow morning for prayer. God bless you. We love you. It is the name.